Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, instead of trading Gerald McCoy or maybe even Cam Brate, why not just restructure their contract? And is this the first time that McCoy has missed the first day of off-season workouts? Is it time to call Rays third baseman Matt Duffy a bust with his latest injury? And injuries are mounting on defense for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Should we start worrying about them in the playoffs? We've got your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports State Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? Well, if so, seven days a week. You can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. I have done this, folks. It should be on your bucket list. Take the kids. Take the family. You're going to have a great time. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour, and be sure to ask about uh, their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. That requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It is absolutely pure paradise up there. Water is always 72 degrees. It's a great time of year to go up there and enjoy the Florida weather. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and more. Now, book online right now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352-777-1796. All right, Steve, no shortage of questions about the Bucks, about the Rays, and, of course, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, let's get started. All right, well, Douglas asked first. I was at a barbecue, and the topic of Winston's weight came up. Every time Jameis throws a bad INT or is chased down out of the pocket, fans are going to bring up his new size. I don't think I can take a season of quarterback weight talk. Is there anything you can do? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Was Jameis at the barbecue? Because maybe he was trying to put on a few extra pounds, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing I can do. I can assure you of that. And it is going to be a topic. It'll be a topic all year. I, I, I was shocked a little bit that, that Jameis sort of volunteered that he's already 250 pounds when I saw him in Arizona at the golf tournament. I will tell you that wearing a golf shirt and shorts, it was not detectable by me. I mean, he's a large guy anyway. You know, his listed weight had been 300 or 231 pounds, so that – you know, if that were accurate, that would mean that he's gained 19 pounds. I don't think it's quite that much because he probably played heavier than 231. But having said that, it was a, it's a deliberate attempt. This is not an accident. This isn't a guy who uh, went to McDonald's one too many times, couldn't push himself away from the, you know, from, from the buffet line or something. I mean, he, he has tried to work out and build some, some, some weight, and it looks like mostly sort of upper body weight, if you will. Um, in the chest, uh, maybe in the arms, but at the end of the day, uh, it was deliberate. And the reason stated is that he knows in this offense with Bruce Arians, he's going to be under some duress because, you know, Bruce is a guy that likes to get all five eligible receivers out into routes. You're going to have to make quick decisions with the ball. They're going to bring more than you can block. And when that happens, the quarterback's going to get hit even if he gets rid of the ball. So I'm sure that he is, you know, gotten some some good instruction maybe from some advice perhaps from some other quarterbacks that played in this system that said you know what 
you need to armor up a little bit. And that's the word you heard. You know, he's added a little bit of armor. Now, whether that affects his mobility, we'll see. I, I don't know many guys that can lug around an extra 10 pounds or 15 pounds and be faster. Um, generally, it will slow you down. Now, it's not like Jameis is a guy who, you know, is Michael Vick and he's just going to, like, you know, hit the gear and outrun people. I mean, he does some of that extending plays by using his size to to shed, you know, would-be tacklers and, and pass rushers and things like that. Um, but I think at some point, you know, over the course of a season, if he's trying to carry that weight throughout the year, uh, that, that can wear, wear on you. Now, he's a naturally big guy. It doesn't look unnatural, whatever he says he weighs. Um, I'll say that. And, uh, and like I said, I think his body is, is in much better condition than it was when he came in as a rookie, if you see some of the pictures when he was doing some of his passing camps way back when. So, uh, but yeah, you're absolutely going to hear about it. And you heard about it when Warren Sapp, you know, went on the rubber chicken tour after the 97 season and decided to gain 15 pounds himself and wound up with uh, like seven and a half sacks. And so uh, it's a story until it's not a story. And if Jameis plays well and there's no, you know, discernible lack of mobility, and I think that's what we're talking about. I mean, you know, throwing the football and, and that's doing that, you know, playing the position of quarterback, I don't think is going to matter all that much unless somehow his endurance slips. But if you start seeing him chase from behind or unable to escape the pocket because he looks more slow-footed than, than normal, then I think people will naturally look at the weight gain and say, was, it, was this a good idea? I've not known many players to say I need to be heavier, okay? Wide receivers, occasionally, if you have a little guy like a Deshaun Jackson is trying to get up to 175. Um, but, but in terms of quarterbacks, you know, at least by listed weight, as we've said, Jameis Winston would be at 250 pounds, the heaviest quarterback listed weight um, in the NFL. So that's a title he'll have to wear, and he'll have to find a way to play effectively with it. UK Bucks asks, am I correct in thinking this is the first time Gerald McCoy has missed opening day of OTAs? I would say this. It, first of all, there, don't confuse them with OTAs. Those are organized team activities. This was the first day of the off-season workout program. It's phase one, so for two weeks, and it is voluntary. It's the first time players – can be back in the building in an organized fashion and work out with coaches. They get to spend 90 minutes on the field per day. They can only spend four hours in the facility per day. So they're limited by the collective bargaining agreement. And the, and the answer is I don't know. Um, I don't think he has missed these or many of these. It's possible he hasn't been there on the first day for one reason or another. I know he works out a lot in San Diego. The fact of the matter is they're not on the field at a time when we can do a head count. So we don't know. I couldn't tell you, for example, how many other players weren't there the first day. Um, I, I'm told and I suspect that Jason Pierre-Paul was not because he pretty much has decided to skip all offseason stuff, or at least he did last year. Let's see what he does now um, with the new head coaching staff. But in Gerald's case, uh, what's unique about this is his situation. Look, they have never in the you know nine years that he has been here talked as unflatteringly about Gerald McCoy as they have this offseason and to the point where you can't get them to commit to him being on the roster beyond tomorrow. So, you know, when, when you start to say things like he's not the, he doesn't have the same, um, you know, sort of disruption that he had four years ago, when you, when you say things like I can't tell you if he's going to be here and that the finances are an issue – and, and that's, that's, you know, Jason Light's call. When you see their salary cap situation, what it is, that they don't have enough money to sign 
their draft picks, and he's sitting there with $13 million that's not guaranteed. All those factors, and, and the fact that I know he's generally not happy about all this talk. Um, you've not seen him on social media because I think he's done talking. I think he knows, you know, in the court of public opinion, it really doesn't matter anymore because he's pretty convinced he's not going to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, it wants to play three or four more years. Um, he, this is going to motivate him uh, beyond anything uh, like he's been motivated the, the past few years. So, you know, him not being there, and again, I don't know, you know, if perhaps there was some conflict or whatnot, um, but I don't think – it. W- to me, it was expected that he wouldn't be there. I, I was fairly certain of that. And if for some reason he's still on the team before the draft – you know, they have a three-day minicamp, which is voluntary leading up to that week of the draft. I don't think he'll be there either. Now, we will be able to to see the players on the field for that. And Bruce Arians has already said, you know, don't ask me about guys that aren't here, which is preemptive for I'm not talking about McCoy anymore. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know that he's missed these this day. He's always been a guy that's out front, team leader, uh, been a captain most of his career. So for him not to be there, I think is probably the outlier, but I have no proof of that. All right, Joseph asked, hearing rumors that we might trade Gerald McCoy and Cameron Bright, why not restructure? And if we did, what do you think their value is? Well, their value is what the Bucks have signed them to. Um, you know, if the Bucks decide that that's not their value, then the player has the right to say, okay, well, I disagree, release me, because I think this is what I'm worth. You signed me to this contract however many years ago. In Brait's case, it was only, what, a year or so ago. In McCoy's case, I think he's halfway through a six-year extension. So, you know, what are contracts worth? I, I get in arguments with people all the time about, you know, you'll have NFL players, and we saw it with Antonio Brown or, or whomever it is, say, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't think I make enough money. Or, you know, guys that are under contract not be happy with the contract. And, and what is the first thing fans say? They say, well, you signed it you got to honor the contract. That's what a real man does, you know? I mean, that's your word. It's your signature. Yeah, except that it's a one-way street in the NFL. Once the guaranteed money is gone, yeah, you have a contract for $13 million, but you know what? At any point, they can say, eh, we don't want you anymore, and you're on the street. So that contract is, is really not worth anything um, in terms of, you know, what, what the team wants to do once the guaranteed money is gone. So in the case of McCoy and Braid, I mean, I think, you know, you can debate whether Cam Brate with O.J. Howard is a $7 million a year player if you want to. All I know is that he's at or the very top of tight ends in terms of touchdowns. I think he's had 18 in the last three years. So he's still one of their top red zone targets. He played last year with a hip injury that frankly needed surgery from week one on. Um, he played through it. A lot of guys would have just said, I'm not doing it. It's too much pain. I'm going to hang it up. And then he went out there, and even though he didn't have – a lot of catches, he still produced the six touchdowns. So I think they, they're excited about having those two guys. I don't sense any you know, any uh, desire to, to trade Cam Brate. And remember, also, you've already lost Adam Humphreys to free agency, Deshaun Jackson to a trade. So how many targets now do you want to take away from Jameis Winston, particularly in the red zone? Um, McCoy, uh, you know, what is he worth? Well, again, in Domicon Sioux, a year ago at this time, was coming off a four-and-a-half sack season with Miami and got $14.5 million from the Los Angeles Rams and then went out and had another four-and-a-half sack season. Now, he's a free agent. We'll see what he'll get. I mean, Gerald's had 12 sacks in the last two years, six in each of the last two years. 
He led the team in um, quarterback hits with 21, um, but he clearly did not have a great year. And, and, you know, at 31 years old, having played nine years with the Bucks, which is as long as Warren Sapp has played, um, it's reasonable for, I suppose, for the Bucks to go to him and say, look, we, we're, we don't think you're a, 30, a $13 million player. But it's also just as reasonable for Gerald then to say, well, that's fine, release me, because I think I am. And I think somewhere, you know, somewhere in the middle is where it's going to fall. The Bucks are going to they, – they feel – while they may not feel like he's a $13 million player anymore, they do feel that he's an asset that they have control of. I mean, they literally could keep him until the start of the regular season. And unless he's – if he's on the roster the first week of the regular season, then the, his whole contract is guaranteed, all $13 million of it, because he's a vested veteran. So they have to make a decision, but they don't have to make it now. And so I think the way they look at it is let's, let's go into the draft – um, you know, there, there are teams that aren't going to get everything they want. They may need a defensive tackle at some point, maybe on the second day, the third day. Maybe it's just as simple as, you know, trading him to a team that will let us move up a couple spots for that trade. You know, we talked about those scenarios that have been brought up in mock drafts where the 49ers say, hey, you know, we'll move from two to five if you'll give us Gerald McCoy, you know, and we'll pay his $13 because we're $95 million under the salary cap. So, you know, that sort of thing. It, it just all remains to be seen. But um, if I'm Gerald McCoy, I'm looking at what Sue got last year, and I'm saying, well, I was more productive than him. Um, I don't know what that number is, but I, I'm pretty sure just based on what the Bucks have said about him, and, and he's a prideful guy, and, you know, they're kind of letting them dangle a little bit, and I know they've had dialogue with his agent, so he's clued in. I would think that he he's feeling like his Tampa Bay days are done. So a, a salary reduction for him to remain here, I don't think is on the table right now. Alejandro asks, what are your projections regarding the secondary if no secondary help is going to be drafted for the Bucks? First of all, I think there will be some help. I, I don't know at what position necessarily. You know, it was interesting talking to Vernon Hargraves the other day. And, you know, Vernon's a guy that's labeled as a, a first-round bust and, and, you know, rightfully so in terms of injuries. You know, he only played in one game last year, although he had a good training camp. And, in fact, against New Orleans, if you recall, he caused a, a strip, a strip of, a, of a ball that was scooped up in return for a touchdown by Justin Evans in that game. They won 48-40. And, uh, and then he hurt his shoulder. He had a torn labrum. He underwent surgery and missed the whole season. The, the year prior to that, he played, I think, in nine games and then had a hamstring injury that knocked him out for the rest of the season. So the biggest thing to me for him has been injuries. I don't think players go out there wanting to get hurt, trying to get hurt, are more prone than other guys to get hurt. It, it just happens. And, um, you know, that, that's been his story. Now, the other part of his story, I think, has been that, you know, he was a, he was a press corner at the University of Florida. He he played up on guys. He challenged guys from the line of scrimmage. He was physical with them. Um, you know, he had some ball skills. He had 10 interceptions in his three years at Florida. And when he got to Tampa Bay, it wasn't the same scheme. I mean, you're, you're asking the guy to play off in a zone. Then you're asking him to learn two positions. And when they go to three receivers, move inside, you know, to, uh, to play the slot nickel position. And so I'm not sure Vernon has been put in the best position to succeed. Now, Arians has come out and said, I want him to play outside. I want Carlton Davis to be the other guy. I'm not going to move Vernon inside. Uh, we'll find a, you know, a slot corner. Um, this was 
music to his ears. He couldn't stop smiling. If 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 Vernon Hargraves comes back and plays the way he should play as the 12th overall pick um, a few years ago, uh, they'll be okay. And And I think that Davis went through the trials, enough of them as a rookie, that he's going to be okay. He, look, he's long. He, he's been on the grass with Julio Jones and – you know he's he's been on the grass with uh, you know some of the some of these wide receivers you know in the uh, in in the NFC South in particular, and so you know I, I think that there's just a big improvement made from your rookie uh, to your second year. Now, okay, so there's the two corners right, and you got to hope that they that they stay healthy. What they don't have is depth, and they don't have a lot of experience, and so. You know, Ryan Smith would be the no, next most experienced corner. Uh, your safety position, you know, you, you got to wonder about what, what exactly they're going to do there. But Jordan Whitehead played a lot of football last year. Justin Evans took a step back, quite frankly. He's, he wasn't the player that he had been as a rookie. If he comes back and, and does what they have projected for him, you've got, you know, four still fairly young guys. I mean, Vernon is still only 24 years old. I don't think he turns 25 until June. So you've got – a young secondary, but they've got experience. They're not guys that are rookies. You know, MJ Stewart played corner as a rookie. He's going to move to safety. So it's still a new scheme, but, you know, the easiest thing I think to learn if you're playing defense is man coverage. You know, what what Todd Bowles is going to bring to them is, you know, sort of, okay, there's your guy. You know, you cover him all the way down the field. We're going to bring pressure, and we're going to make this quarterback throw this ball early. And if you can hang with this guy for two and a half, three seconds, you know, we're going to get home and you might have a chance to make a play on the ball. So it's, I don't think you're going to have a lot of, a lot of busts. I mean, guys might get beat, um, but I'm not as panicked as I think some of the Bucks fans are about the secondary, because I think, you know, there, there's not a lot of great corners just laying around out there. Those guys don't make it to free agency. Okay. So who, you know, are you going to miss Brent Grimes? Really? You know, who did you lose? I mean, is that the guy you're going to miss? They've got to be better, but they've got to be better up front. They've got to put more pressure on the quarterback. Quarterbacks had a field day against these guys in terms of their passer rating. But I still think there's enough young talent back there that, you know, in the right scheme, they become different players. And to me, I know Carlton Davis can play man coverage. I know that Vernon, Vernon Hargraves can't wait to play it. And I'm anxious to see how it goes. I, I'm not as doom and gloom as, as some Bucks fans are about the secondary. All right, Mantis asks, seems in the past four drafts, Jason Light had no rhyme or reason for his draft selections. Who will have the final say this year as the Bucks need so much help and have only seven picks? Yeah, rhyme or reason? I mean, look, I know everybody focuses on, you know, sort of what happened last year with, with Via Vea. I, I think that I always say this, you know, Teams do not take the best player available. They take the best player available at a, at a position of need. And so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, did he, did he stretch and screw up the Roberto Aguayo thing a few years ago? Yeah. Is the draft with Hargraves and Noah Spence look bad? Yeah. But they needed a corner. They needed an edge rusher. So there is rhyme and there is reason. Maybe not as much rhyme, but certainly reason. Um, as far as Bruce Arians go, you know, I asked this question of him because he has said he's not going to be as involved in game planning as he was in Arizona. He's not going to, you know, do the scripts. Uh, that'll be handled by, you know, Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, and um, Harold Goodwin, who's a run game coordinator, and their other offensive coaches. And, 
he's going to have a headset. You know, he says there's five or six, you know, coach calls a game uh, that you just get, you know, sort of a feel that you should do this or do that or go for it here or what, or, you know, be aggressive there or not so much here. So he'll control it that way. But I asked him, what are you going to do with all that free time? He says, well, I want to devote more to personnel. Okay. Number one. And then, you know, individually get around to some meetings and do some things and, game situations that I might have screwed up on in the last couple of years. I think nothing has changed with respect to who has the final say. It's it's Jason Light. And I asked Arians that. I said, you know, thinking about all the personnel stuff he talked about, was that mean that you have the 53 like you like Lovey Smith did uh, before he was fired? It, it, you know, you have the final say on the draft? And he said, no. And frankly, I don't need it. I, I have worked with Jason. I trust Jason. We work well together. But I'm going to have a big input. And, and, and if I'm Jason Light – uh, I'm going to stay in my lane a little bit and, and, in fact, maybe let him get in my lane with me because my drafts haven't been all that stellar, quite frankly, since 2015. And, you know, they've re-signed a number of those guys and two of them went on with Humphreys and, and Quan and Humphreys wasn't drafted to begin with. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Bruce Arians do a lot of the personnel evaluation. But for the most part, on, in contract and otherwise, it belongs to Jason Light. Wes asks, and speaking of the secondary, which we've talked about, please tell me we are looking to take a cornerback high in the draft. I don't understand why Greedy Williams isn't on our radar. Well, first of all, I don't know that he's not on your radar. Um, I simply don't think he's a, a top, you know, top five pick. But then I also don't know that the Bucks are going to pick fifth overall. I mean, look, there's going to be quarterbacks taken. I think maybe ahead of them, one, possibly two, and there's a good chance that if there's Kyler Murray is the only guy taken and they get to five, their phone's going to ring off the hook because everybody's going to be afraid of the Giants at six. So they're going to be calling the Bucks to move back. It's a question of how far back they go. You know, maybe Cincinnati would look at a quarterback with Andy Dalton now, you know, sort of up there in years. Um, there's any number of teams that could – Miami, there's a number of teams that could call them to move back. So, you know, if you were just looking at what the Bucks have and have not done and what their needs are, and we just talked about it, Corner is definitely a need. I mean, whether you do that through the draft or free agency, we, we discussed free agency. There's not a lot of guys that are, that are running around out there right now that are great values. But I think, you know, you, you have to get through this draft. And I think Greedy, Greedy is one of those guys, an LSU player, um, not, not necessarily a strong run game player, but a good cover guy. He would have to be on the radar, you know, and, and they'd have to look at a lot of corners through the draft. There are some corners they can get in the second and third round as well. So it's not – limited to just you know just the guy you hear the most about but um but i think it's definitely a position one of those positions on defense that you you certainly need depth you can't have enough good ones they drafted let's not forget now they drafted you know two defensive backs last year or three actually if you can include jordan whitehead but they, they drafted two corners last year and i know mj stewart's moving to safety but with davis and stewart so it's not like they've ignored the position i mean hargraves is a first-round pick who's coming back. So they have dudes, but could they use more? Sure. Is it the number one need that they have on this team? I, I don't think so. I think when we talked about this at, at number five, if one of those defensive linemen don't float down to them, um, a Josh Allen, say, or a Quinnen Williams or something like that, I mean, I think Devin White is going to be their pick. And they, they have a huge need for a Mike linebacker in this 3-4 defense that can be a Pro Bowl talent for the next – you know, 10 years. So, um, you know, again, you draft your biggest need. Um, corner is up there, but 
you can't force it either. You can't reach for a guy like Williams at number five. If you move back and he makes sense, then they'll certainly look at him. But remember last year, they had Derwin James staying, staring at them, and they thought that the bigger need was defensive line and defensive tackle, and they took Vita Vea. So that's what teams do. Um, right now I would say their needs are you know, defensive line because you could be losing Gerald McCoy. You need an edge rusher because Jason Pierre-Paul is, what, 30, 31, 32 years old. Um, you don't know what you're going to get from Noah Spence. You know, you've, you've got guys that uh, uh, that have flashed for you a little bit, but, you know, is Carl Nassib somebody after this year that you're going to be able to retain as a free agent? I mean, all those questions have to be answered. So I would say defensive line, if the right guy is available, but then certainly Mike Linebacker, and, and that, that probably means um, probably means Devin, you know, Devin White or maybe even Devin Booker later in the draft. Ellis asked, how much of what Vernon Hargrave said in his presser can we relate to the narrative that the Bucks have talent on the defensive side of the ball? They just need a coaching staff to, to correctly utilize it. Look, coaching is huge in this league. I mean, if, if it wasn't, why is Bill Belichick going to the Super Bowl every year? Why were the Rams 7-9 and nine and 8-8 eight and eight every season under Jeff Fisher and then, you know, all of a sudden Sean McVay gets there and bam, you know, their, their second-year quarterback, um, you know, Goff looks like, looks like a pro bowler and they and they go to the they go to the super bowl i mean coaching matters folks it it mattered in tampa bay when they hired tony dungy it mattered again when they hired john gruden to to take that team to the super bowl and bring you know put his spin on the offense so it's huge and i think the the big mistake that a lot of coaches make when they go to places and i've seen it happen and dungy didn't do this is they they look at their team and they go wow we need so much you know and you know, we, I'm going to bring in a bunch of guys, and I've got my own coaching staff. We do things a little different, try to sign a lot of their former players. Now, you've seen former Cardinals sign here after Arians was hired. We saw former Bears signed here. We saw a lot of Rutgers players when Shiano was a coach. Every coach does that because they have you know familiarity with these guys more so just because they've coached them or played with them. And it's good to have guys who are familiar with your scheme that can help you know, help the guy next to them on the grass learn. Uh, that's always important. But I, I just think that, that there is enough talent. I, I think every team in the NFL, you know, the, the talent gap is not as large as people make it out to be. And the key is, can you take these guys? Because there's only 1,600 of them, right? There's millions more that want to play in the NFL. You know, we just saw, you know, the, uh, uh, the AAF, you know, folding up. And, you know, how many players now – would, would give anything, many of them have been in the NFL that, that want to get back. So you have the best players in the world divided by 32 teams. The trick is, you know, can you put them in the best position to succeed? And I'm not sure Mike Smith did that in the years that they had guys like Vernon Hargraves and others. Um, it's going to be on Todd Bowles and his staff to figure out what these guys can do, figure it out quickly. Don't ask him to do what they can't do and put them in position to have success. And I think they will. So, you know, I'm just not a big believer in that, you know, now do certain teams have more talent than others? Absolutely. And, and I've always said this, I think you need four players, you know, on both sides of the ball that are, that are plus plus players, elite type players, you know, on offense, I think your quarterback has to be better than average to win in this league. You know, I think they've got, if you look at their offense, you know, Mike Evans is an elite wide receiver. I think OJ Howard is an elite tight end. I think Ali Marpet has a chance to be one of the elite guards in this league, okay? 
They don't have a running back. That's that's a lead at this point. That would certainly help them. If they had a left tackle, I don't know that you know, Donovan Smith is being paid like he's elite. I don't know that he is, but he's better than average. Let's say that. On defense, who you got? Jason Pierre-Paul in his best days, which are behind him probably, at one point was one of the better pass rushers in the league. He's coming off 12 and a half sacks, but you know, again, he's, he's an aging player. Levante David has been elite most of his career, had made a lot of Pro Bowls because of some balloting things, but um, he's, he's on the downside of his career. Um, you know, so, so where are you going on defense for these elite players? That's why you need to draft some Pro Bowlers. Vita Vea needs to become that guy. It would be nice if Carl Nassib became that guy. Uh, if one of your corners, Carlton Davis, became one of those guys. But you need probably four just real ballers. And then everybody else are guys that just are, are primarily role players. And if you can do that, you I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You can compete, but some teams have, have more uh, elite stars and players win games, not the coaches, but absolutely coaching matters in terms of developing guys and putting them in positions to succeed. Before we move on, Steve, I, I had mentioned uh, just briefly the Alliance of American Football is suspending their operations, and you know this is a, a team or a league actually that had been struggling almost from the first week of the season. If you remember, uh, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, um, Tom, uh, is it Dundon, I believe, um, pledged a, a two hundred fifty million dollar investment. At the time, they were afraid, I think, of of, of making payroll or not making payroll. Uh, they had a, what they thought was a, a pretty good uh, business plan, but they've had uh, just a lot of things that have come up. I mean, you remember uh, sort of there were some insurance issues with the Orlando Apollos. They couldn't get workman's comp in the state of Florida, so they had to move their practices three hours away in Georgia and then, you know, bus them back to Orlando. And so there were some costs that, uh, that were part of it. There was lawsuits uh, about a guy that uh, – thought that it was his business plan and he didn't get credit and um you know the title game was moved from las vegas to texas and they had sold tickets up in in vegas so i mean there's a lot of just very very little things that had come up but i think the biggest thing is it's a big hat no cattle i mean they ran out of money and when players can't get paid even johnny manzel who was all about the money uh tweeted uh, on the uh on his twitter site that if you're an AAF player and the league does dissolve, the last check you got will be the last one that you get. No lawsuit or anything else will uh, will get you your bread, man. So save your money and keep your head up. That's the only choice at this point, unless you something drastic happens. And uh, it's it's unfortunate. I think. Look, I think there's definitely an appetite uh, in this country for more football. I think there there could be a spring league. Now, you know, we know that the XFL is coming aboard with Vince McMahon. I think the fact that the AAF did, they at one point wanted to use the XFL brand and buy it from him, but uh, he decided instead to restart his own league. But uh, more opportunity for players who, who you know sometimes for one reason or another fall through the cracks to get looked at. I think it's real important for offensive linemen, for quarterbacks 
to have a chance to play and develop because they're, you know, with the CBA, they're not allowed to come in and spend any real time in the facility until, you know, until April. And they used to have quarterback orientations. We know that when they, when the NFL was, it was in the business of their own um, spring league and the world league of American football, you know, a lot of quarterbacks came out of that, including Brad Johnson and Kurt Warner and others. So, you know, it absolutely has a value, but um, unfortunate. Uh, and the ratings, you know, the funny thing is the ratings were okay. There were between four, 400,000 and half a million viewers that had been um, turning in, you know, tuning in for games. So there, there definitely is, is an appetite uh, for it. But unfortunately, uh, these are not easy things to do. I mean, you know, th- when you think about the amount of people that are involved in a professional football team in terms of your equipment guys, your trainers, um, you know, it's uh, equipment intensive. You have to buy a lot of things. You have to uh, travel. You have to, you know, feed these guys and, and at times, um, you know, help them with housing and different things. I, I just think that it's very difficult uh, and, and, you know, extremely costly to, to have startup leagues that don't have, you know, that aren't just totally bankrolled by enormous TV contracts. So um, it's unfortunate, but uh, but at least right now they're suspending and we'll see if they, if they in fact, go ahead and, and uh, you know, dissolve at this point. All right, we'll move on to baseball. And Les asked, Rick, can we call it bad luck, cursed, or anything else? But I think it's time to call Matt Duffy a bust. He just can't stay healthy. Is that unfair? Plus, he may not have a spot in the lineup whenever he comes back anyway. Time to DFA. I don't know if he's going to be DFA'd. I mean, I guess he could be. Um, certainly teams would be leery of taking him probably or his contract if he doesn't get healthy. But, look, certain guys just, just have are more prone to injury than others. I, there's no real explanation for it. In the case of Matt, however, and we talked about this the other day, Steve, that he came back last year. He had a good first half. His body sort of wore down. Certainly, it affected him the second half, which was which was not good. So he, you know, when we interviewed him at FanFest and he talked about putting on like twenty three pounds, it was it was staggering that you know, wow, that's 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 a lot of weight in one off season uh, for a guy that was fairly slender to begin with. And and then he goes out and he injures his hamstring. But worse than that, apparently he had a back injury. Didn't tell anybody about it when they mentioned it. It was like, oh yeah, by the way, now that you say it, yeah, my back is bothering me. So that that does not sit well for both his value moving forward and sort of how the Rays might feel about him because they they certainly could have helped him uh, had they known what they were supposed to be treating. So um, you are what you are in this game, as Bill Parcells has said before, and and right now. Matt Duffy is a guy that, when healthy, um, has shown the ability to be productive. But now, most much of his career is being spent on the disabled list. So I, I don't know if you call him a bust, Steve, but he's certainly not a productive player at this point. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm always leery to say bust, especially when it comes to injury. I mean, maybe he hasn't met expectations, but I, I always define bust as someone who didn't live up to them. And I guess with injury, you Agreed. don't live up to them. But. Um, yeah. You know, for instance, Kajana Carter is considered one of the biggest draft busters. Well, he hurt his knee and never really played again. I mean, right? You know, he was still a, a, a elite player that probably deserved to be picked that high. He got hurt in, on the turf and never recovered. Um, I, you yeah, know, to me, do you to call me, that a like, bust? It, do you call that just bad luck? I don't. You know, that's that's bad luck. I mean, it's part of the game, is what it is in football, and it mm-hmm. can be in baseball too. But like Jamarcus Russell, to me, is a bust because he didn't work at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He he had talent and didn't give a damn and ate himself out of the league more or less and then realized, what have I done? You know, um, I really do love football. And and to me, 
Matt Duffy loves baseball. I think he would do anything to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's tried to get his body in shape. He just hasn't had any luck physically. So, you know, does every trade work out? I mean, you know, you know, I, no. you're right. I, I'm with you. Bust is tough if there's injuries involved. Because for two years, Gerald McCoy was a bust because he tore both calf muscles off his arm. But then he went on to win, you know, go to six straight Pro Bowls. Would you say his career, would you label him a bust if he's made – $200 million or $150 million and played in seven, six mm-hmm. Pro Bowls? Well, on Vita Vea this year, great. And I, I don't call anybody a bust after one year, you know, right, e- right. regardless. But, you know, a lot of his production was a result of injury early. Sure. That, sure. And, you know, once he got on the field later in the season, he was showing okay. promise and showing he yeah. was doing well. Um, yeah. You know, did you get the production you hoped in year one from him? No. Does that mean you're a bust? No. No. Yeah, so Matt's somewhere between not a bust and just um, injury prone, <laughs> which is not a good label either, but it, it is his reality right now. Now, Les asked a follow-up question. He said, what's more surprising, Baltimore's 3-1 and one or Boston's 1-3? and three? I know what's funnier. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's funny that Boston is 1-3, but I, you know, I, my, my uh, boss, Mike Sherman, who listened to his podcast and was born and raised in Baltimore, is a huge Orioles fan, and he told me that you know, the Orioles lost a league worse, what was 110, 112 games last year. Um, and that he said, I don't know that they have a major league player. So it is, it's good for Baltimore that they've jumped out to this, you know, tremendous three and one start. Probably not so good for the Red Sox, but let's be honest, it's four games. I'd say more surprising that Baltimore is three and one. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I mean, Boston I, opened I in Seattle on the road in the West Coast. You know, that's never easy. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I think Baltimore is definitely more surprising to be three. And, and, and the Red Sox have some injuries too, I think, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, they do. They do there too. So, uh, and 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 as we're recording this podcast, and we're doing it before Tuesday night's game, where Blake Snell is right. going to make his second start. But one of the surprising things for me with the Rays is that Blake Snell gave up five runs in his first game. The rest of the pitching staff gave up five runs in all five games. <laughs> so you're saying Blake Snell is overrated? <laughs> I'm saying yeah. that if the bullpen and the rest of the staff keeps this up, we're in good shape because Blake Snell's not going to give up five runs every game. No, I would agree with you there. And um, now, having said that, uh, you know, last night, or as we taped this podcast, of course, they had a bit of an onslaught of offense with Kevin Kiermeyer driving in four runs. Who knew uh, that he would turn on one and, and, and have four RBIs? But um, they haven't scored a ton of runs, but they haven't needed needed to. You know, their pitching mm-hmm. has just been has just been phenomenal. They've given and, up ten runs in in five games. You know, I was saying this because uh, uh, I've been watching. I don't know, you've been watching the Cubs at all? Woof, Ooh. woof. Wasn't it me and not not wishing this on anybody? Believe me, but I said I think I said that uh, just taking a stab at it. First manager to get fired would be Davey Johnson, <laughs> and. Uh, because you know, you and I talked about that. I think off the air on the podcast the other night. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and yeah. then, and then the second one might be might be Joe Madden. I might amend that. They're off to not just a bad start; they're off to a horrendous start. If you watch these, other than than scoring a gazillion runs in the opening day, um, they're fundamentally playing poorly. Did I like, see they had six errors in the game the other night? Yes, yes, they had three. I think in one inning. I mean, they're just not – and one should have been a team error. They had three guys stand there and watch a, a fly ball fall between them um, in center field. But it's just been it's just been bad, bad ball, as Lou Panella would say. And that's the thing that's going to get Theo Epstein crazy because uh, – and I'll give Theo a little shade here as well. 
hey, nice pitching staff you put together in Chicago. Yeah, what do you want, Joe, what did to do you, with that? What did you expect? I mean, they're giving up a million runs a game when your ace, and God love him, he's still their ace, is John Lester. And what is he, about 67 years old now? I mean, the guy's a remarkable pitcher um, to have been as successful as he has this many years. But after Lester, I'm done. You Darvish is is probably never going to get out there. When uh, Hendrickson is your number three, um, I'm sorry, but you know that that pitching staff is bad as a starting staff. The bullpen is worse, and they can't get anybody out. They just can't. And so, and then on top of it, the the few outs that they have a chance to make, they're they're kicking the ball all over the field and just look fundamentally terrible. And it's it's that lack of uh, I don't I don't know if it's a lack of urgency, but not playing the game the right way. Uh, at some point, and, and I don't mean a very long way down the road, if this continues, Joe Madden's going to be out of here. Well, I mean, there was some surprise that he was back this year. So, yeah, you've got I to know. assume he's on As the a lame duck. List. Yeah. They're not going to sit there and wait for them to get off to a 1-10 in, you know, start or a 2-14 start or whatever. I mean, if they had a raise-like start from a year ago, he's not going to survive it. He's not going to survive 4-14 or whatever it was. I don't think so. And, and, and I would say this, I, I said this uh, to finish the thought, I was talking to my wife, I said, you know what, the Rays have a better ball club right now than the Cubs will have all year. And that's saying something. I mean, the Cubs won a World Series in 2016, and most of those guys are there. I think I'd take the Rays twice on Sunday, the way they're constructed right now over that Cubs team. I would. I, I just, I don't believe in their pitching. I don't believe in their arms. I, I mean... They've got they got a few superstars, but you know what? Bryant doesn't look like the same guy he was two years ago. I uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> rough time in Chicago right now. It is. Well, I'll tell you what team that's not having a rough time is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who no. won their 60th game on Monday night, became the third team ever in NHL history to win 60 games, matching the 76-77 right. Canadians who won 60 and the 95-96 Red Wings, who won 62 games, which is the record. Lightning, as we take this before they play on Tuesday night, have three games remaining. If they win two of them, they'll tie the Red Wings. They win all three, they pass the Red Wings for, for history. We'll have winning, at that point, they will have won 63 games out of 82. Stop there just for a second, and let's appreciate what they might do. Um, they've been playing hockey a minute, right, in the United this States? 100 years, 100 years for the NHL. 100 years of professional hockey, and they have a shot of tying and or passing, as we tape this podcast, and becoming the greatest regular season, winning the most regular season games in NHL history. That just, I mean, that folks have to appreciate. Before you, before you start getting anxiety about what's going to happen in the postseason, stop there and just appreciate what these guys have done. This, this is not, you are not going to see another season like this, I don't think in a very long time because it's been a very long time since any team has done what they've done already. Um, it's just been incredible. It, it, you just are shocked when they lose um, or they don't play well and win. Um, and they haven't had anything. Here's the thing, Steve. They haven't had anything to play for in about three weeks, to be honest with you. You could almost say since the All-Star break. I mean, it was practical. Well, true. I mean, you know, had it they gone on a complete. long lose. They have lost back-to-back regulation games once all year. In November. It's unbelievable. They did lose two overtime games a month or two ago. But back-to-back regulation games once all season. 
That is phenomenal. incredible. It really is. It, it just, it just, you can't, I can't marvel at it enough. I think, I think we become numb to what they've done. I'm almost like, I, I kind of hope they make history just because they'll have that no matter what, you know what I mean? Go ahead and get the record and then, you know, roll the dice in the playoffs. Um, but it, it has been, I think we're, I think lightning fans probably are spoiled at this point. Just kind of like, yeah, they won again, you know? Well, it's been a remarkable just, five years, if you really think about it. So it has been. You know, the, the 2014-15 season, they go to the Stanley Cup final. They lose to Chicago. Uh, in, up three in two games. in that they, one. Have some injuries with the goaltenders. Yeah. Well, they weren't. No, they were up two to one in that. Oh, one. that's that's the yeah. two to one. The yeah, two okay. to one. They lost. That was the first time all year they lost three straight games. Was in the Stanley Cup final, losing game four, that's five, right. and six. The next year they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lose to Pittsburgh. Then they missed the playoffs this season by one point. And they got off to an awful start of the season, made a heck of a charge in the second half, and missed it by – Almost made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. missed it by one. Had they, Actually, there was a series of games at the end of the season. Had they lost a different one and won a different one, they would have gone to the playoffs based on tiebreakers right. and whatever else it, it, it mattered. Last year they had a phenomenal regular season where they set all kinds of team records in that. Go mm-hmm. to the Eastern Conference Finals, were up three games to two, lost to Washington. But this has been a remarkable – five-year run, and really eight years since Eisenman and them took over. I mean, don't forget, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2011. Yeah. Right after they took over, and then they kind of started the rebuild and and, and from the, the uh, from their big league club all the way down through the minors and, and everything else, which is why, you know, they keep bringing up guys like Tony Sorelli and Yanni Gord and, Anthony, you know, and Eric Chernak, and, you know, they, they have a, a, a very plentiful minor league system as well, or AHL team and, and that, that – they have done a remarkable job, and this has been – it's crazy how much they've won over the last five years. It's hard to maintain that edge. You know, I think that's, you know, through a hockey season or something as long as that or a baseball – I mean, to me it's hard to, to maintain your edge when, like you said, for, for the most part, really after the All-Star break, they knew um, they were going to make the postseason unless they collapsed and, and probably would have a good shot at, at, the, at the number one seed. But – to, to go out there and consistently um, put forth the effort and, and improve and get better. And, um, you know, they've had some luck with injuries, although now that's starting to creep up on them a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think we'll look back on this no matter what happens in the postseason. And, and, and obviously if they make history, and they already have to some degree, um, but years from now and say, man, that was, that was just an, an, a magical season that the Lightning had. And did you see Louis Domingue after they won 60 games in Ottawa? <laughs> uh, he was a uh, he's got a, a, an injury, so they actually called up Eddie Pasquale. So he wasn't even on the bench that night. So he's greeting the team as they're coming down the tunnel, and he's got the stanchion roped off, and he's making sure that only VIPs get into the locker room. <laughs> I'm sorry, you had to win like 60 games. Did you win 60? Yes, so you're allowed in. Yes, 60 game winner. Okay, you may you may enter. It was great. Yeah, yeah Steve Stamco showed his out, wristband. You know, he showed the stamp he had on his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, he's a, he's quite a personality. So he's, uh, you know, and that's that's how you keep that room loose. That's how you absolutely. I mean, you know, first of all, John Cooper's done a tremendous job this year. He has is, and, and he's finally starting to get the the talk for winning the Coach of the Year award uh, because for a while it was like, well, he's just got such a talented team, he shouldn't win the award. Right. But, but to keep this team as loose and as focused as they are. And a lot of it has to do with the players too. And John Cooper will tell you that, look, it starts in the room. 
you know, oh, I, sure, I can do a lot of things. But you got to allow but... these guys. You got to allow mm-hmm. these guys to be their own personalities mm-hmm. too, though. Absolutely, you know? but but everything from rotating defensemen, you know, where they're a rotation of who's sitting out to making Ryan Callahan the thirteenth forward for the last month or two, to you know everything he's done and handled, and, and it's you know credit to the players and the coaching staff that it's worked. To add on how great this team is and, and how special it is is. Some of the things we complained about last year, and they had a tremendous regular season last year and, you know, were one game from making the, the Stanley Cup final again. They were awful on faceoffs, and their penalty kill was pretty bad for most of the year. Yep. They're number one in penalty kill this year, and their faceoffs are tremendously improved. In addition to the number one power play, in addition to Andre Vasilevsky's probably going to win the Vesna for best goalie, Kucherov's going to be the MVP. He's got 125 points now. Just incredible. The, the, I mean, by the way, Stamkos playing. has a chance to have 100 points for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, already over 40 goals. Nikita Kucherov, he gets one more goal. He's going to be three players on this team with 40 goals. Um, they're playing right now, and, and this is a question that, that we got is, you know, Victor Hedman's out right now. Dan Girardi's out. Strawman's probably going to come back at some point on this trip. But with the injuries mounting on defense, is there a little worry going into the playoffs? I mean – you know, Monday yes. night. Monday night, your third pair is Jan Ruda and Cameron Gauntz. I'll say this though. You know what? Uh, and granted, the playoffs aren't here yet. Jan Ruda has been a pretty good pickup, man. He's played really well. You don't notice. I him. saw, and that's the best thing no. you can say about a defenseman. Well, I noticed him the other night though when he when he broke up a, a two on one or whatever oh, yeah, it was. Absolutely. I mean, he he's made he's starting to really settle in, and and you're right, he's fit right in. So it's it's a good thing. Yeah, of course you're nervous. I mean, hell. You want all these guys, especially Victor Hedman, and and you want Strawman back, and you want to see all these guys at, at peak performance and healthy. I, I would be nervous that they're now. You know, could they play if it was a playoff game? Or are they holding back anybody that that has even the the slightest injury? I would hope so. I don't know what what Hedman's status really is, but I would hope they'd be extremely cautious because you know nothing in the next couple of days really matters. But. Um, you know, something's going to get them. And we talked about this. Uh, it didn't happen uh, the other night, um, but they had been coming out sort of, you know, falling behind. And, and that was for four straight games. They sort of did that. And they've, they've been kind of sliding back and giving up a few too many goals, I thought. So, you know, defensively, you know, getting it out of their own zone cleanly and, 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 and dominating some possessions, some ice time on their side, you know, that, that all matters. And, I thought they played a pretty clean game the other night, but I think it starts with your defense. Um, you know, you, you you almost take for granted the offense is going to be there, and then the irony was that when they got postseason last year, you know, and needed to win one game, they did, they got shut out the last two games. But you absolutely uh, are going to have to play well on defense, and and I think you want all your guys humming and healthy, and and right now they they don't have them on the ice. So w- wouldn't that be a concern for you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, if you're going in the playoffs and Jan Ruda and Cameron Gauntz is your third pair, you're that's an issue. You definitely have some worries. I mean, you know, if, if yeah. Hedman's back, which we expect he should be he back, should be, yeah. the, you know, we don't know exactly what's wrong. You're thinking it's a concussion at this point, but we don't right. know that. Um, right. You know, you're hoping he's back. Strawman should be back in time. So if Hedman and Strawman are both back, I feel bad. Now, now you've got Ruda and Gauntz are your seventh and eighth defensemen. That's right. You know, at that point, and that's so. fine. Yeah, so yeah. If, if, if that's the case, and, and, you know, if Hedman needs to miss a game or two, depending on how long it takes him to come back, okay. Um, but, you, you know, if, if I'm seeing Cameron Gaunt regularly in, in, in the lineup in the playoffs, I'm going to worry a little bit. 
I would. Because you know yeah. goals goals are at a premium, and you're not going to score. You, you know, most likely you're not going to score as many. So you've got to be. You know, you can't be giving up softies. And I mean, you know, Victor Hedman does so much for that team anyway. And you know, he's the point guy on the power. Their number one power play when they have it going. Um, you know, their power play. Till the other night, I think they were one out of the last uh, ten. You know, and um, I don't know if that's if some of that's Hedman related or not. But I sure would feel better uh, in the postseason if he's the guy in the middle of the ice with the puck. All right, we'll wrap it up on this one. As Chris asked, we all know what the Tiger Slam is, but is there a name for a city that wins the Stanley Cup, World Series, and Super Bowl consecutively? Asking for a friend. Now, no confirmation that friend is Tom Jones. <laughs> Um, World Series, Stanley Cup, and Super Bowl. They're obviously referring Super if the Bowl. Bruins were to win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, that would be the Boston Three Party. I think uh, we would call it. Um, no, there's not. I guess. I guess. I mean, what would that be? That would. Uh, well, they have an I NBA mean, team too, so I guess you know. For that's the- what I mean. There's four. There's actually four major sports that they could take um, potentially. But the three, I mean, would you would you consider hockey one? Hockey's kind of like big four, but I don't know. We'll have to – I mean, we could ask for submissions. I don't have anything pithy to say right off the top of my head. And how crazy would Tampa Bay be if they could hold all three at the same time? Oh, Jesus. Come on, man. Come on now, stop that, it. Stop that would it. be fun. That would be fun. That would be the greatest. I was saying the other night, I said, now watch, because, you know, I cover the team that – that did not win 90 games and did not go to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Um, that would be impressive if the football team went to the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> well, I'm saying, like, I mean, look, the Rays won 90. Yeah. Now, if you're a one-buck, seriously, if you're a one-buck place, right, You're the and I asked the Glazers this, mm-hmm. and they were like, no, I think it's great for sport. And I do, too. I think I think that the, the sports fan, certainly there are people that like hockey, and then there are people that like baseball more than hockey or football, and then there are people – I think mo- a lot of people like football the best mm-hmm. um, just based on what, what ratings and things say. But nonetheless, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, if you, if you are living here or you certainly if you grew up here, um, you, you, know, you kind of root for all your teams. And so you know, the, the Lightning doing well, you get that feeling of playoffs and you're relevant and the, the, the nation's eyes are upon you. And it's cool being – you know, if you're a fan of, of Tampa Bay sports, it's cool having a hockey team that's number one in the world, right? And then, and then if you have a baseball team that's in the postseason, and, and that's, what, that's what sports is about. It's about being the only game on TV, and, and for the fans to really enjoy it, you need a team that makes it to the postseason. And the Rays give people hope that after winning 90 games and to start their off too, that you know what? Hey, the Rays could get in the postseason. What if the Rays have one of those magical years and they get into the playoffs and maybe go deep and find themselves in a championship series or something like that. Uh, and then and then you have the Bucks. <laughs> and it's kind of like, man, 11 straight years, two winning seasons, uh, no playoffs, five coaches, you know. When are they going to – I mean, you're, you're all competing for the same sports dollar in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't get too far behind. But what Glazer said was, look, I think it's good that for our fans that the other teams do well we want them to do well and i believe that um a lot of guys that, that play for the bucks also root for the lightning and go to race games and vice versa so um they all kind of know each other it's a small town and and they see each other anyway but i i think it is good uh you know for for everybody but man if you're if you're the bucks right now don't you have like hey guys 
uh, we need to pick it up a little bit here, boys. <laughs> you know, we're not pulling our own weight because the the Lightning, they're for real. They are for real. And the Rays look like they know what they're the hell they're doing too. Mm-hmm. So get on board, Bucks. some point. And remember to have a ch- – if you get a chance to go see – Captain Mike swimming with the manatees. I have done this. This is a great family adventure up there in Crystal River at Kings Bay where the temperature is always uh, 72 degrees, and it's a perfect time of the year to do it with your family. They're the number one uh, customized manatee tour company, and you can reach them uh, by booking online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com. You can call 352-777-1796. We've got USF playing tonight, Steve, uh, against DePaul in Chicago, a chance to win the college basketball invitational title. Who would have said that just a few weeks ago that the USF Bulls would be playing for a title uh, in basketball? Well, who knew just and a couple weeks ago that the CBI final was a best of three? No, that no, not many, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's what we got. And of course, you know they hit the buzzer beater the other night, and uh, now they're in position to take it all. So good for them. We'll see if they can pull that off. The Lightning are off tonight. They play at Toronto on Thursday. Um, again, already secured a part of history, only the third team to reach 60 wins, as we know. And um, Could be 61 uh, by the time you hear this podcast. We're it, taping it, it before their Tuesday well night be, game. And have, they have a chance to, to even set more history as they go forward. And then the Rays host the Rockies to wrap up that homestand. Uh, There's been already a terrific homestand before they hit the road for the first time. Long road trip, they head out to San Francisco to see Evan Longoria and uh, play against the uh, San Francisco Giants. So, Lots on tap the rest of the week. We uh, appreciate your mailbag questions. You don't have to wait for a mailbag to ask us questions. You can always do that, and we'll answer them for you, uh, even on this podcast. You can do it by reaching out to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 